Hi, I'm Dustin. Good to see you all. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for braving the weather. How many of you had a crazy drive here? Yeah? Yeah. Um, I came about 4.30, right when the torrential downpour was, it felt like at its height. Um, and we came a little bit early so that we could go eat with my parents. My wife and son are over there chowing down and chilling out. And I accidentally stole all the diapers, so I just got a text message saying, hey, we need the diapers. So, yeah, it's nice and interesting night. Um, but, yeah, they're making it work. Thankfully, one of my nieces had an extra diaper that was just laying around. Totally not the right size. So, yeah, um, after this, I will go save them with the right size diapers, and it'll be wonderful. So, yay. <laughs> uh, God does cool things, even when it feels like the world is falling apart. So, yeah. All right. I think that's enough organization. I'm going to stop that. Um, so I'm going to pray again, and then we're going to jump into things. God, thank you so much just for bringing us here tonight. Um, thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, God, that you are good, and you are gracious, and you are compassionate. Um, thank you, Lord, that you, um, you know what's going to happen before we do, Lord, and you prepare us for the things that seem too big for us, God. Um, Lord, I ask that you speak through your word tonight. Um, I pray that you would just be glorified in it. And yeah, Lord, we are here for you. God, we are here for you. Come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So how many of you have ever felt tired before? Like, really fatigued and tired, dissatisfied? Maybe it was when um, the time changed again and you just, like, can't seem to, like, recover from it. I always thought that the fall behind part of the year was supposed to be the easier one. But no, this one's been ridiculously crazy for me. I have not caught up on sleep. It's actually been worse. Um, but, like, things cause tiredness, right? There's physical things. If you exercise or don't sleep, you're going to get tired. If you have a lot going on in your life, if there's stressful things, you're going to get mentally fatigued. And that's really also tied in with emotional fatigue. And all of these things, they just make us tired. They're laborsome. They're um, things that drain us. And especially when the sun gets well, the sun goes down a lot earlier to whatever, time change and stuff. Um, especially when that happens, there's just like this feeling of like, ugh, tired and fatigue and just, um, it feels like everything is slower and way more difficult. And in times like this, it's easy to just let that kind of fatigue and tiredness overtake you and really just swallow up your life. Um, but what do you do when you're tired? In Hebrews chapter 11, there's this really cool, really long thing where it runs through all the Old Testament and looks at all these different characters and how they like struggled through adversity and really held on to what God did. They were, it's the hall of faith. It's they were faithful to what God called them to. But then after Hebrews 11, you have Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm just going to read a couple of little excerpts out of that real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Um, so after then, the whole hall of faith, everyone's been listed. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those people who went before, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, a verse like this reminds us that we are on a journey, that even in our tiredness, even as the world kind of um, struggles, we struggle against the world, that we are called to run and we are called to, on this journey, like really um, fight for God, really struggle forward in, um, for the glory and for God. But even that can also make you feel 
tired. It makes you feel weary, worn down, almost like heavily burdened. At least I know that I have felt that way. Um, to be honest, this last year has been one of the hardest years of my life. Um, I would pretty honestly say that I'll take about 20 2020s over one 2021. This year has been really crappy. Um, and it has made me feel very weary, very burdened, very like, God, what are you doing here? Where is the goodness? Where is the hope? What are you doing? Um, if any of you like, there's this artist called John Mark McMillan. He's the dude who wrote How He Loves Us. Um, a couple years ago, he released another album, and one of the songs, the chorus goes, where is God in a time like this? And that really has been the theme song of this year. God, where are you? The world is going crazy. Um, everyone's dying and moving away from here, and it really sucks. Like, God, where are you in all this brokenness and all of this hurt and all of this pain? And sometimes it feels like verses like uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and then chapter 12 just say, hey, yeah, life gets hard, but, you know, as a Christian, you're just supposed to be happy and healthy, healthy and hopeful. So, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and, like, keep on going when things get tough. And that itself can feel very burdensome. Life's challenges are difficult. Life's challenges are hard. And I think, really, this burden is also a lie. When you look at the Psalms, you see all of these Psalms, and, like, the psalmists, David and the other psalmists, um, frequently... The ones that are happy are like, yeah, God, you are great and you are glorious. And absolutely, we need those ones. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other ones that the psalmist is really struggling with God. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. Maybe Saul's chasing me, or maybe my friends have turned against me. And there's this struggle. But most of them have this turn in them where about halfway through, or maybe at the end of it, they're like, but God, you are good and you are glorious, and I can put my trust in you. However, there's one psalm that doesn't do that. It's Psalm 88. It's honestly discouraging the whole way through. There's no hope. And I'm like, what? Let's just go ahead and read that one, because that's very sad and depressing. Don't worry. We're getting somewhere hopeful in the end. There is always hope. Ah, there it is. Psalm 88. I might not read the whole thing, because it's very long. Well, I will see how it goes. So Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions of dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all of your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? In your stead is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadfulness assaults and destroys me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. And it just ends. It's like, sweet. That was great. Really appreciate reading that. If you're on one of those devotional plans that like has you read through the Bible in a year or like read through a book of the Bible, you get one like that, you're like, what, God? Like, for real today? I've got a test today. Um, but 
But I think psalms like this are actually super necessary because we all go through um, dark times in our life. We all go through what some people in church history have called the dark night of the soul, the moment of just desperation and, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where is there hope? How do we move forward? And I think it's important that we have psalms like this to express the depths of our frustration and the depths of our like longing for God to restore all things. See, that longing, that's an important key right there. It's a very normal part of the human experience to be discouraged, to be sad, to be hopeless, or filled with grief. But even in that, there is an invitation. Tonight we're going to be looking at that invitation. So for the last little bit, I think the last seven-ish weeks or so, you guys have been looking at the seven I am's of Jesus from the Gospel of John. Well, tonight we're going to be looking at another I am of Jesus, only this one is not in the book of John. It's actually in the book of Matthew. And so it's the eighth I am. So we're just going to go ahead and jump and read that because Psalm 88 was very sad, and we need something to encourage us. All right, so Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And so this is after Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples to go around and preach, saying the kingdom of God has happened. Then after that, um, messengers from John the Baptist were like, hey, your cousin John is like, are you the Messiah? And he's super discouraged in prison. And then Jesus is like, um, what should we tell him? Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus is like, well, tell him that the dead are are raised, the, um, the sick are healed, the lame are healed. And I'm summarizing. It says it better in the Bible, so you can totally read that. Um... See all these miracles that I'm doing and performing? This proves that I am the one who is to come. Um, And then there's some more teaching, and then we get to this verse. 11.25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's the hope. Did you catch it? For I am gentle and lowly. All right, let's just kind of walk through this and talk about it for a little bit. I'm going to reorganize things again. There we go. Much better. Now I think I can see things. All right. So let's just kind of walk through this. So verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. See, the beauty of the gospel is that it's not exceptionally complicated. It's rather simple. Anyone can understand it. You don't need to go to um, four, eight, ten years of college, get a a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate to understand it. No. And that's not even who Jesus went to when he was on the earth. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel that Jesus has invaded earth and that um, there is a way to have reconciliation with God. That's for all of us. Receiving the gospel requires faith, and it requires humility. Um, That's, where's that at? Boom. Okay, I confused myself. Nope. Um, But receiving the gospel does require faith and humility. It's not overly complicated. It's simple. And this is God's will, though. That's what it says in um, 
Verse 26, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will, to reveal his word, to reveal the gospel of the kingdom to everyone, so that even little children could understand it. So who is the message of God consistently for, and who does God work through? As you look throughout the Old Testament, and as we look at who Jesus hung out with in the Gospels, he's not hanging out with those highly educated, wealthy, religious people, no. He's going for the people who are lost, the people who are desperate, the people who are in need of a savior. And you see, Jesus explains that he is the gatekeeper of the kingdom of heaven. In verse 27, he says, all things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So really, understanding the gospel and being in um, relationship with God all depends on Jesus. He's the one who does it. He's the one who does the work. All things have been given to him. And if you know the Father, you know the Son. See, reconciliation, it all depends on God. He's the one who's done it. In this, I, I think of, um, there's a story in which Jesus is hanging out in, I believe it's Capernaum at the time, and actually it's when he's at Matthew's house. And so the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they come to Jesus and they're like, hey, how come you're hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes? What's up with that? And that's one of those instances when Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. In fact, that verse is really interesting because it appears in Matthew and it appears in Mark and it appears in Luke. All the synoptic gospels, the same thing appears. He has come for those who are sick, not those who are healthy. And of course, in that, he's saying, hey, you Pharisees, like you guys think you're doing okay? You guys think that you have it all together and know what it means to follow Yahweh? But no, you don't. It's those who are desperate and broken. Those who, that's who Jesus is really looking for. That's who Jesus is drawn to. So let's continue on um, in verse 28 to really understand what is Jesus trying to say in this passage. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, even after saying that um, to be brought into the kingdom of God requires faith, requires humility, requires a relationship with Jesus and simplicity, Jesus still extends the invitation to those who are burdened and exhausted, to those who are not pretty and perfect, he promises to teach those who come to him how to find rest and how to work. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, this life still requires work. The kingdom of God is advancing, and we are all called to that. We are all called to take part in that. But following Jesus and learning from Jesus doesn't mean that um, there's not work involved. But the kind of work is the best kind of work. It's the kind of work where you're yoked together with Jesus. When I first started going to Thrive um, in the year of our Lord, 2012, there was this word that um, people like to say all the time, especially when working out. They're like, get yoked, man. And then they like <laughs> flex their biceps all the time. And I don't exactly understand what they're referring to then. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yoked in this context is like oxen. So more like big animals that are beasts of burden that have these things strapped around their necks and like there's two of them plowing together that's what jesus is saying take my yoke upon you so you're like sharing the burden with jesus which if you're 
um, burdens and heavy laden, wouldn't that be perfect? Jesus, the like one who, the son of God, you're working together with. If you stumble and trip or you're like fumbling, like he can, he's got your back. He's got you covered. He'll take care of you. And the beautiful thing in that is that, we kind of touched on this already, but Jesus invited those who were burdened, those who were heavy laden, those who were broken, those who were desperate, those who were saying Psalm 88, God, where are you? And where is their hope? How do we move forward? How do we continue to um, just live this life when all my friends have moved away? Like, God, what's going on? And Jesus says, come, come to me. I see your thing you're carrying. I see your sore neck from staring at your phone, texting your friends who are leaving, or working at the computer frantically, or whatever it is. You insert the thing in your life that is burdensome and wearying. Jesus invites us to carry his yoke. Jesus invites us to carry his burden. And in that, he's really showing us what discipleship really looks like. He's saying, do as I do. Be yoked together with me and let's plow together for the kingdom of God. Learn from me. And that's why I think this I am gentle and lowly thing is so important. Because in saying, hey, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. There is a promise, a promise of rest in that. True rest. Working rest. But true rest. There is that promise. But then he continues that and says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. So what does that really mean? Well, Jesus is an excellent teacher, especially to those who are burned out and exhausted. And he's gentle in instruction. He is humble. And he has every right to be the most consumed with in person that there is because he is the one who did all the things that we couldn't do, the perfect lamb. And yet Jesus is gentle and lowly. He doesn't think of himself more highly than he um, ought. He's a good teacher. While the religious leaders are going to the people who are um, donating the most money, the people who are really trying to look right and earn their own salvation and earn their own righteousness, Jesus stops on the road to Jericho. Jesus stops for the Samaritan. Jesus calls the disciples. And all of the various places they were living and crazy things that they were doing, he stopped for Mary and Martha. He stopped for Lazarus and had to raise him back from the dead. And even that proved his um, divinity and his um, gentleness and his, um, his compassion. That's what I'm looking for. He raised Lazarus. And in doing that, Jesus gives us true rest. He invites us to him. There is still work, but he's a good teacher, and he will teach us how to work. And working for him is the best. And maybe that doesn't mean that you're going to, like, quit your job and work in some sort of ministerial role your whole life. Maybe that means, yeah, I work at the lo local library, and this is awesome. Some parts of it suck. But, like, Jesus is teaching me to work together with him in this context. Or maybe you work at the shipyard, and it's complicated and confusing right now. Sorry, Tristan. Um, and Jesus calling you to work there and really, like, put in effort to, like, work together with Jesus in that context. Maybe you're a teacher. I don't know what your job is or, like, where God has called you right now. But how is Jesus inviting you into 
um, working at your job with excellence with Jesus beside you. So tonight I want to do something a little bit different. Um, I want to take a little bit of time to just consider that. How are you coming to Jesus with your stress and your anxiety? Um, I was talking to John earlier tonight, and he was like, dude, what, um, we were talking about sin or something. He's like, when have you sinned? When was the last time you sinned? And I was like, well, actually, well, today when I was preparing for all of this, I was super distracted and anxious, and I totally watched too many YouTube videos. I was eating too much chocolate, and my homework was frustrating me, and I didn't bring my stress and anxiety to God as I ought to. Instead, I let simple fleeting pleasures um, try to take care of my sin and anxiety, or stress and anxiety didn't work. Just stressed me out more. So don't do that. That's not the right thing to do. <laughs> but are you bringing your stress and anxiety to Jesus? And how do you view Jesus? Do you view Jesus as gentle and lowly, as a humble and compassionate teacher? Or do you feel like you can never measure up to what you think that God requires? I think it's really easy for us to imagine God high on this throne, which is totally true, but as more of like a menacing, hmm, what's the right word? A menacing, angry despot. Someone who is just looking for you to mis make a mistake, slip up, and just get you. Waiting to go, aha, I got you. But in what areas of your life is God inviting you to stop and just to be with him? I don't know what you guys' small group plans are for tonight, but maybe you just take some time to stop and you be with Jesus. You're all like, Fan out in whatever rooms you're in and um, just take some, spend some time praying and reading the word and being with Jesus. Now, the thing that I said that I was going to do that was a little bit different is I'm going to read a paraphrase of this same verse, um, same chunk of verses from the message paraphrase. And as I do that, I just want you to pause and think. Um, think about where is Jesus inviting you? How is Jesus inviting you to interact with these scriptures? And how is Jesus inviting you to... Um, Work together with him, to rest with him, to give your burdens to him. Where is the invitation that Jesus has for you? All right. And then I'm going to take a few moments after that just to kind of sit in that. So if you experience an awkward silence, it's intentional. If you don't like it, you can totally blame me. It's my fault. So just prepare yourself for that. All right. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, nor the Father the way the Son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
Take a few moments now to just consider with God, what is he inviting you into this morning? may not have been enough time for you, so you may need later tonight to spend more time. Um, and again, that was the message paraphrase that I read that in um, a big fan of reading different translations of the Bible. Um, just be sure you know when you're reading one that's a paraphrase. Um, yep, super cool. And I just really appreciate that specific one. Um, some of my mentors have, we've talked it through a bunch this last year, and so it's been super cool and helpful. Um, yeah, but the world is crazy. The world the, f the devil and your flesh really want to emphasize the um, division and chaos of this last year, and um, it's really easy to get sucked into that, to be drawn into that. But the invitation of Jesus is to respond to him, to draw near to him, to work with him, to rest with him. Jesus is inviting you to take your worries and your cares and bring them to him, and he's not surprised by what you're going through. He's not shocked by your sin. Um, He's not shocked by anything. He knows all about you. He knows what you're going to do the rest of your life. And that's cool. That's super cool, actually. It's like one of the most peace-giving things, at least in my own life, to recognize that Jesus knows what is coming. Yeah. So, in closing, I wanted to read a poem. Um, to give a little bit of context to this poem, uh, about a year ago, one of my friends wrote this poem. Um, and he wrote it in the context of just some reflections on his life at the time. And he shared it at the Holy Ghost Worship Night last year. And we, we did this worship night at Thrive Gig, um, which one are we at? 
Kitsap. Do a worship night at Thrive Kitsap every year. And uh, <laughs> uh, we did, had some poetry interspersed throughout it. And so my friend wrote this and he shared it. Um, the further context of that is that he then ended up passing away in May this last year in this freak water accident, which has been one of the reasons that my year sucked so much this last year. Um, it's really overshadowed a whole bunch of it. So I haven't shared this poem very much. Um, yeah, he'd written another one about losing a friend, and that one circulated the internet and circled people a lot, but this one um, was one of the most hopeful poems that he wrote, and I felt like it feels, it fits this um, passage of scripture really well. Um, and it has no title, because he didn't write one. Dang it. Um, anyway, so in closing, this is the poem. I spent a lifetime running, trying to get away from a truth that's buried deep. Even in the distance, I can hear it say, the love of God sets grace, grace for your weary soul. Hope not in your earthly life anymore. His love will satisfy your soul. Even among the angry waves of life's stormy seas, still I cling to vain hope of kind friends and warm embraces, of resounding honor and stable places. Even in the distance, I can hear it say, the love of God sent grace, grace for your weary soul. Hope not in your earthly life anymore. His love will satisfy your soul. As vain hope betrays my life and pride comes to a bitter close, the time has come to stop running. I come with nothing left to give, and now in truth I must live. Even in the silence I can hear it say, the love of God sent grace, grace for your weary soul. Hope not in your earthly life anymore. His love will satisfy your soul. God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for just being with us tonight. God, thank you that you move and draw near to us. Um, Lord, thank you that you are the main actor in salvation, God, and thank you that it all rests and depends on you. Jesus, help us to all respond to you in a way that um, is honoring to you, God, um, and help us where we still need to grow, and that is in so many places, God. Lord, your gift tonight to you. Um, I pray for small groups. I ask that your hand would be upon those and that you would lead them. Um, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.